This week's episode is our final episode for the season. Before getting into the episode itself, we would like to share with you that Pod Save Africa is now on Spotify. You can find us now everywhere you listen to the rest of your music. We are on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Thank you, and we look forward to listening with you. On April 27, 2019, Nigerian police officers raided and arrested over 60 women at the Caramello nightclub in Abuja. These women were harassed, assaulted, and raped in police custody. On the 10th of May, Nigerian women and allies all over the world marched in protest of the treatment of these women and of women generally in Nigeria. Today, we tell the story of one of the organizations that has helped galvanize these protests and we learn about them and how they have created a platform for creating social change. Port Save Africa is proud to present Through the Eyes of African Women. Africa listeners, it's your girl Kasala. I'm sure you're not used to hearing me like this, but I am here alone um, and I'm here to talk with you or introduce you to a nonprofit that you might be familiar with um, through the eyes of African women. Um, I'm here with the founder, Miss Auli Okonjo. Uh, hi. <laughs> yes, we say hi to our listeners. Um, and just to give you a brief introduction, introduction, oh, of what Through the Eyes of African Women is. It's a youth-led nonprofit that aims to facilitate social impact, and it's primarily targeted at empowering the voices of young African women by equipping them with the resources, knowledge, and connections to participate in leading social justices and changes. Um, It was officially launched in December 2018 and has already become a big backer behind one of some of the more famous um, social justice movements that we've seen, um, especially in Lagos, Nigeria. And um, as I mentioned, I'm here with the founder, Ms. Amulia Okonjo, and a brief introduction of her. She is an undergraduate student at Duke University, um, currently completing her bachelor's in international comparative studies with a concentration in African and French with dual minors in Chinese and visual media studios. First of all, how do you handle all of that? That is so impressive. <laughs> um, that's a good question. I don't. <laughs> I just kind of, you know, keep going. I think when you are, you know, you really care about some something, mm-hmm. as cliche as it sounds, you know, you just find ways to make it work. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I picked my major based on the fact that it let me do a lot of the work that I wanted to do outside of school as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, And that actually leads right to the first question that I have here for you. Um, With the brief introduction introduction that I've given of you, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your life, and what led you to develop the interest that you have right now in um, comparative studies and social change and in culture in general? Yeah, of course. Um, So I'm from Nigeria. I was born in Lagos um, and I grew up in South Africa. I lived there for seven years before I started boarding school in the UK. And then 
obviously like started university in the US. And um, I mean, the way my parents raised me, like I've always had very, very strong like connections to Nigeria and always cared about like Africa um, and known that that's where I'm gonna end up eventually. But when I started university, um, initially I was having actually kind of a tough time. Um, I felt really like cut off from everyone. I felt cut off from the things that I cared about and I needed a way to kind of restore my sense of purpose and direction. And so that Christmas when I went home, um, it was, this was around the time like Time's Up was really becoming a thing and all that and Oprah had given a speech and like I was just reflecting on like, okay, what are the things that I care about and how can I, you know, kind of, you know, start to shape my experience at university a little bit more um, and not just going to class studying a bunch of dead old white men and stuff, but like actually doing things that I care about. And, um, you know, the one thing led to another and I kind of realized what I care about is women's rights. I care about because I went to an all girls boarding school as well. Um, what I cared about was telling those stories. And so I went back the next semester and um, just was just really, really lucky to meet a professor that, you know, was the director of Duke's new social movements lab. And through that lab, I started learning more about you know, activists around the world and getting to speak to activists, even from the Fees Must Fall, Roads Must Fall movement in South Africa and learning from them. Um, and then eventually, you know, thinking about like, how can I apply that to Nigeria how can I apply that to like women's movements in Africa in general um but yeah so that's kind of how it started I guess <laughs> that's very cool I'm I'm very impressed with how you were able to take your background in and like figure out what you want to do in the future I know especially in our age group that's a lot of that's where people struggle with um how to combine their interest and their background and how they're raised here yeah yeah it is it can be really difficult sometimes but I think um, also having like parents who are super supportive. So when I did go back, um, back to school after Christmas and I kind of, cause initially I wanted to major in like philosophy and political science and all that stuff. And it was very, very American in the way that they taught it. So when I changed directions, my parents were like really, really supportive. And the department itself is like very much focused on decolonizing knowledge and thinking about um, non-Western centric ways of studying the world. So that was a big thing for me is just having people around that were, you know, thinking the same way that I was. Right. Yeah, that's very important. And I'm glad you were able to get that support that you needed. Um, now, tying back to Through the Eyes of African Women, one of um, your mission statements, I should say on your website, is that um, Through the Eyes of African Women, or TU, is that how you pronounce the acronym? T-E-A-W. Yeah, there's no real pronunciation. <laughs> Stick with that, right? Okay. Um, one of uh, your big mission statements is for, is reclaiming our narratives as African women. And I just mm -hmm. wanted to find out, what does that mean? What does that look like to you, to reclaim narratives as African women? Yeah, I feel like, um, I feel like for a really long time or throughout history basically African women have been a huge part of social change have been a huge part of development um, even from like national liberation movements but that history kind of gets lost and our voices kind of get lost a lot um, and even when the stories are told um, the way that African women are usually portrayed 
is almost kind of like objects of history rather than like subjects, people who are making, making the change, you know, and have real power and real knowledge that we have, we need to learn from. And so, especially thinking of myself as a feminist and thinking that, you know, women have a lot to contribute um, to all facets, all fields. I wanted to really like focus on the ways that African women through our lived experiences generate the sorts of knowledge that can be useful to anyone in any situation, um, but how that's grounded in our particular experiences and perspectives. And you're very right on that. Even when you do find out history on African women, especially African women that have been monumental in um, changes to culture, uh, uh, development in societies, it's always in relation to the man who was probably... Exactly, yeah. And even now, even now, like when I think about like, you know, major movements that are happening, like Me Too and all that, I think when you think about... um, movements that are happening in Africa related to some of the same themes of like gender-based violence, Mm -hmm. sexual assault, and all that. The West doesn't tend to pay attention to it unless it's framed as, oh, this is, you know, kind of like derived from ours. This is the um, African version of the Me Too movement. But that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes it's very, very distinct. And there are very distinct ways that African women organize and view things and I think that needs to be paid a lot more attention to that we do have our own unique experiences and own unique ways of you know kind of talking about things right. um, and so that's what reclaiming our narratives is really about. That's very true and sometimes even the movements in our African countries have started even before the Me Too movement but it's never mm-hmm. until it's looked at in the western gaze. Um, yeah. Very fascinating really. Um, so as I mentioned earlier you you are still a student at duke university and you officially launched teaw in december mm-hmm. 2018 um so like why did you decide to start now as while you're you know you're a student why not wait a little while i feel like you know young people are always being told that we have time mm-hmm. um that you know we can wait to be great I don't necess- I don't feel that way. I felt like, you know, stuff is happening right now and having these experiences and realizations right now. And I want to be able to contribute. I want to be able to like, not just make my mark on the world, but also help other people. You know what I mean? And so you know, why not take what I'm learning as I'm learning it and try and turn it into something positive? And I think that it can be hard because it's a balancing act. And one of the things that I have struggled with this year is finding the balance between like focusing on my academics because I am a student, but then also doing the things that I'm passionate about, which is women's rights um, and African like development and social change and global justice. Um, So for me, yeah, it's really just a matter of like, I cannot live my life only doing like academics for the sake of academics. I have to, it has to be grounded in some greater sense of purpose. Um, and I don't feel like you have to wait to do that. It can come at any age. Right. No, and it's very impressive because I, I think as a student, speaking from my own experience, it's easy to get lost in the sauce of your daily life of, you know, class, yeah. projects, and, you know, trying to have a social life every inch of it, you know, that you, you I'm glad you were able to have this idea and work on it while you were a student because it's easy to have that idea but to actually push through and see through. 
um, in the middle of all of the academics and um, all of the also academics can bring is very impressive. Um, it makes it more fun, actually. It makes school a lot more fun. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, moving on to the next question. Uh, I looked at looking at TEAW, you have some core principles. Um, and I think you already spoke about one. You're a feminist, and feminism is one of your core principles. Um, your other principles include human centered and narrative driven, scholar activism, collaborative, vision based. And um, I wanted to find out from you what do you think are some of your stronger principles that have enabled you or would enable you as a nonprofit to carry out your visions? Um, I think one of the main things um, is collaboration. So, oops, sorry. Um, even though we're a feminist organization, and that for me especially is really important, and for all members of our team, like every single one of us identifies as feminists, through the eyes of African women isn't exclusive to people who identify as feminists, and we do kind of like hope to be a bazaar of ideas because not all African women identify that way, but that doesn't mean that they don't still contribute really important things to this world. Um, and so for me, like, uh, and for our organization, um, collaboration is a massive thing um, because it means that we can draw on other people's knowledge, draw on other people's ideas, and also kind of build stronger movements. Nobody changes the world by themselves. Um, and even as like our tiny, tiny <laughs> little organization that's just getting started, we have to rely on other people's kind of like passion and power in order to do the things that we want to do. And so I really think of us as like, you know, being a facilitator, being a being a a champion of young African women, we're just here to advocate for them and make sure that you know their voices are heard. That's that's really what it is. Right. Um, so essentially, like a hub, like a platform that um, if people are looking to use their voices, they can come to you and feel excited and feeling um, empowered enough to do so. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you have a team, um, and I wanted to understand informing your team what were, what were some of the things you were looking for what were some of the values and principles you were looking that each of your team members have um, before inviting them to join TEW. So um, one of the main things that I was looking at was um, how strong are their principles like what are what are some of the things that ground how they live their lives mm -hmm. for me like um, you know the saying personal is political um, by Audre Lorde, that is super important. So I wanted people who um, not just, they don't just talk about, oh, I'm a feminist and this and that, but actually you can see it in the way that they interact with people, in the way that they speak, in the way that they live their lives. Um, and so that was trying to, you know, ascertain whether or not that that was something um, that each of the people that I talked to and interviewed, um, that was something that was true about them. And then also, having like the long-term vision through the eyes of africa woman yes it has just started but i really wanted to surround myself with people who were able to see past this year past like when we're you know when we're having loads of people following us or we release a project and people are on it you know and then the next next time like nobody's really paying attention you know i wanted people who could look at the bigger picture and get past those lulls and the highs to think about like what are we trying to build, not just for this organization, but, you know, for the continent, for our countries, and for ourselves. Right. Um, so those were the main things I was really thinking about. And then creativity. So. Right. 
Right, and I think that's important. People who are able to see the long-term goals and see it as a journey, and rather than you know one-stop destinations at each time, I think that's really important. And we've been talking about through the eyes of African women, TAW, talking about the name through the eyes of African women. I remember immediately I saw saw the name it was immediately captivating, like an instant fascination. Like, hmm, as an African woman, how can you see through my eyes? And what are they seeing? <laughs> Almost. Um, so like what led you to that name? How did you come up with the You know, it's interesting because like it wasn't even called that to begin with. Um, when I first started working on this project, I honestly didn't really know what I was working on specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew I wanted something. And I called it the African Feminist Project. Mm-hmm. And one night, I think I was up at like 1 a.m. and I was working. I was trying to put, the, get, put together the website. And like, I've been, I've been staying up every night, just, you know, just working on this. And my dad came and sat down with me and he said, okay, so tell me about, you know, tell me about this idea. Mm-hmm. And I started explaining to him and he said, why feminism? And I said, okay, well, this is what I believe in. I started explaining all the reasons why I'm a feminist, blah, blah, blah. And he said to me, like, you know, that's really great. But the reality is a lot of people don't identify as feminists and i think that in trying to do the work that you're trying to do you need to bring them to the table first and then you know you need you need a way to make people feel comfortable so that you can actually discuss some of these ideas so i felt like through the eyes of an african woman it's really my dad's fault that it's called that and (laughs) thankfully um but it was a way of kind of showing that um it's not just about one group of people. It's not just about one way of looking at the world, but about like a much broader, um, diverse set of experiences. So, Yeah, and that's very important. I think feminism has always kind of existed in our continent, but never really been given, and maybe it has been given that name in the past, but because of our lack of, of history tracking, we don't know per se. But mm-hmm. um, but it's now just gaining gaining a, a large social you know following feminism. People are beginning to proudly identify as feminist, and but some people are still against it. You know, it's been given like with with any movement, it's been given a bad name as well. And you will see people that fully describe themselves in the way feminists would, and be like, oh, but I'm not a feminist, so um, yeah, able to engage them in this way. That's Oh, you're not necessarily a feminist, but if you want to make social change, you're welcome. It's um, super important because some of the changes that they can make will be really impactful in the long run. Yeah, and I would love for everyone to identify as a feminist, but what's more important is actually like the actions that follow. So, you know, as long as we can push people and create space for those sorts of actions to happen, then what you call yourself, I don't know. It, it's cool because it, it, you know, connects us to a much larger community, um, a global co- community of feminists. And that is a really empowering feeling. But at the same time, like you can't you can't push it on to people. So, you know, I have to we have to think strategically, like what are the other what are the other ways of making this happen and right. what are our priorities? Yeah. Um, and even to speak of this, the first time I heard of feminism was in in college too and it was in taking a class black feminism at the time you know it was just beginning to gain momentum i also went to school in the u.s in the u.s in in Mm -hmm. buzzwood and it was just curious about what it was um so taking that class helped me to understand more um but i can imagine some people might be thrown off because the class has feminism in the name 
but the fact that you're able to provide a platform through your website for learning um, about feminism, even without saying it's feminism, and then people will gain the knowledge and then they find out it's feminist and they're like, ah, oh, damn, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, that was like, it's brilliant, you know, um, mm -hmm. you're able to educate without putting them off. And that's um, very important. Thank you. Um, so moving on to our next question. So recently there was an incident in um, Abuja, Nigeria, the Abuja Raid of Women. And um, for those of our listeners who don't know, on April 27th, about 65 Nigerian women were taken, arrested, and faced some very horrific physical and sexual abuse, um, including rape, um, after the Nigerian police raided nightclubs and hotels and arrested them. The police claimed that they were arresting prostitutes and demanded bribes in exchange for most of their releases, either bribes or, you know, sexual um, favors or rape. Um, it's was a truly despicable act of gross ma magnitude. Sadly, it's not the first of many of the awful acts that na the Nigerian police has been involved with, um, and it's it's sadly not unheard of. Um, but TEAW was one of the many backings in charge of protesting and um, hashtag say her name Nigeria, um, and organizing protests in different parts of the country in Abuja and Lagos and different parts of the world, London, Ghana, to name a few. And I just wanted to understand from you, you were recently launched nonprofit. How were you able to organize such wonderful collaborations and gain the steam that you are in, um, in promoting the movement and in promoting visibility behind the protest? I think we're really lucky to have been involved in this and to be involved in it now. Um, Essentially, what happened was uh, when we launched last year, um, our launch was really, um, we used it as a platform for young Nigerian um, feminist activists to really take their space and speak up um, and talk about their movements. Because at the time, we just had Market March, um, the marches in um, Yaba Market. Okay. We had the We Will Not Be Silent March and that Safe Space event. And then as equals, Africa. Um, which is a, a online feminist community. And so I invited the founders of all those organizations to speak at our event and basically just made it a space for them. And so essentially when this happened, I was following Angel on Twitter and she was tweeting about it. And next thing I know, Dami, who was one of the speakers at the event as well, um, Angel and Dami, um, had contacted me and was like, would you like to, we're trying to do something about this would you like to be involved? Could Through the Eyes of African Women help? We're also trying to get in, um, get in touch with Santa and Rape Initiative. We will not be silent. So it was essentially like organizations that I had already worked with in the past. Um, and we just decided to come together and make something happen. It was very, very spur of the moment. It was like a day or two after the news was coming out. And I think that it's, that's the great thing about people put down social media activism a lot, but it's actually really, really powerful because that's how I connected to so many of the amazing women that we're seeing now. And it allows for things like this, the responses to happen so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and we're trying to be strategic about it and all that. But um, yeah, it was really just a matter of like working with them in the past and then trying to um, continue those relationships now. And that's very important. I'll be honest, I don't, log into social media that much, especially in recent months, except if it's for Save Africa once in a while. 
Um, and I remember like a few times I would log in in the past few weeks at the first thing I see, you know. So the fact that mm-hmm. that momentum and even for the casual looker, um, is able to see it and mentally register, that's that's enough. Um, and that's very important. Um, so we've talked a bit about some of the, some of your work um, since you launched, some of the people you worked with, and I, I wanted to find out in your own terms, how would you describe your growth so far? How would I describe what? The growth of Through the Eyes of African Women so far. I think um, study and we're learning. Um, we've had some mistakes this year, and I think every, yeah, everything is a learning process. Mm-hmm. We're figuring out like what our voice is um, and what role we have to play. And a lot of that comes from, like like I said, we're a facilitator. So when people come to us and ask us to help them with something, then we try and, make, we try and do that. Um, and so that is helping to shape our identity. Um, but we also have some really cool projects coming up soon that I'm super excited about. We're working on um, some visual stories. So one of the things that we want to do, aside from helping to grow these sorts of movements and be a space for collaborative um, movement building and strategization, um, we're also trying to make sure that our histories are not lost. And so when things like this happen, we don't want them to just be on social media, be on the news and then disappear. Mm -hmm. So we're working on collections of visual stories about individual movements um, to make sure that rising generations and current um, young African women or just anyone who's interested can actually go onto our site and like look at these stories, learn about what was that movement about, who was involved, um, what were the responses from people on social media, but also just generally in the public, who did they work with? And where are they now? Like what, what, and what can I do to help, um, help grow it if it's still happening now? So those are the sort of things that we're working on. We're also working on a digital timeline of key, key moments in um, African women's organizing and um, a publication. We launched our first publication a little, a few months ago, and we're coming up with another one um, through the eyes of African women, like our main publication, which, hopefully will become um, a regular resource for people, um, young women in their communities or even at schools and things to talk about different social issues. Um, so yeah, just trying to create resources for um, people to get involved in social and political issues. That's very, very wonderful. And I like that you're trying to incorporate that into our history moving forward. I, I wish there was a way to almost get this, um, the movements that have Risen in, in the past few years into our history books right now. Um, mm-hmm. In Nigeria, going going to boarding school in Nigeria, our history was told from a Western gaze, as we've already mentioned. And there's no particular instant of like, oh, this happened that we can relate to, um, especially as African women. So it's cool that you're creating a, a visual library almost um, to be able to look back on when the the younger generation grows up. Yeah. And I think the other thing is that um, one thing I realized when I was originally writing the strategic plans for Through the Eyes of African Women, um, a lot of resources are actually out there. But the problem is that they're either not very accessible to the average person, especially to like the average person like on the continent. Um, and and, And if they are, they're not very engaging. They're either like way too academic or they're just like, just boring in general, in general. So um, that's a really, really big thing with Through the Eyes of African Women is trying to make sure that 
we do kind of share resources that already exist, like the African Women's Development Fund has a huge library of essays that are written on all sorts of issues, and no one really knows about it, or very few people know about it. Pardon? Um, what did you call the library? The, the African Women's Development Fund library. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's an online library, and then there's also the African Feminist Forum, um, there's uh, Feminist Africa, which is a, a an academic journal, very, very amazing essays in that. But people, like like I said, it's it's hard to find out about these things. So sometimes it's not necessary. Like, uh, yes, we are creating our own resources, but I also want to like shed a light on the people who are already kind of doing this work and just make sure that it is more accessible um, for anyone that's trying to access it. Very cool. I'm just taking some notes for myself for things to go in. <laughs> um later because yeah i'm about to do some digging yeah i think i have i have all that i need um so i, I think we may have touched on this a little bit but um what would you i think i and i don't know per se but i think in trying to start any new organization or nonprofit or any um even business um that is related to Nigeria, you're definitely going to face um, some obstacles or some, you know, um, hindrance or some like things you have to jump, hoops you have to jump through, um, just mm -hmm. with the way the Nigerian system is set up. Um, I just wanted to learn from you what has been or what do you imagine would be your biggest obstacle in seeing the vision of TEAW through? Um, I think one of the okay so there so there are two things um one thing is that right now yeah we are really focused on kind of like west africa and nigeria and that's obviously because that's where i'm from and that's where i have like the most connections to um and so but for me it is african women um and so the challenge is how do we connect to other parts of you know the continent and get people to contribute and realize that this platform isn't just for West Africans, it's not just for Nigerians, but it's for all of us and, you know, encourage them to use us as a resource. Um, so trying to figure out ways to do that is going to be one of the big challenges moving forward. And then the other thing is, um, I think people are really jaded in a lot of ways, even with the Say Her Name Nigeria um, movement. People ask like, okay, so you're doing protests and whatever. What does that do? What does that accomplish? Right. Um, or people think that change can't really happen. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of work to do in terms of like, even just getting people to start thinking a little bit more um, optimistically and realizing our personal power um, and our collective power. Um, and the fact that we do have control over ourselves and our societies. Um, and I think like leadership is also a huge thing. Leader, whoever is in charge, whether it's presidents, government, whatever, we have to we have to negotiate with them, um, and we have to make sure that we're always kind of like negotiating the language that we use as well, um, so that we're not completely shut out of certain spaces um, where you know people of power just won't let us let us in, basically. So yeah, everything is about negotiation. Oh, yeah. Have you had any run-ins run with leadership or like people of power um, since, since TAW started? I think the main thing, nothing significant aside from Say Her Name Nigeria um, with the police commissioner. 
Um, we did have some problems with the police commissioner in Abuja not wanting to support the protest. Obviously, we're protesting against the police, so that makes sense, but um, actually kind of like threatening us, um, saying that if we did protest, like he can't essentially like there will be violence. So we, you know, we had, we had some serious talks about that and, you know, whether or not um, we should move forward with the protests informing the people who were in support and planning to come out. We had to think a lot about that. And we decided to just respond with strength. Like, yes, we have to re-strategize a little bit, but we're not going to be intimidated into silence. Um, You know, this is our country too. So. Right. That's very impressive. Um, So you mentioned wanting to reach into the wider, the wider African um, sphere into other countries in Africa. What do you think that would look like in the context of TAW? So I'm really hoping that in the future we'll get to like grow the Young African Women Activist Collective a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to have contributors. So on our site, we have um, a couple ways that you contrib- can contribute. You can either contribute like personal essays, poetry and prose, or um, you can join our team as a curator. And basically that's just like writing short articles and um, news updates and things like that, or um, working with us to create these visual stories and digital projects. So I would love to encourage like um, other people from around the continent to join our teams and team in that way, um, or to start start it through the Eyes of African Women, like collective in their community and basically just use it as a way to have have these discussions but focused on because I mean I'm talking about Africa in the large sense but Africa is a huge place and it's full of so many very very different you know groups of people so I want that to be represented but sometimes the only people who can represent themselves are those the people who have those experiences and so i i don't i don't assume that i'll be able to speak for people in ethiopia or namibia or whatever um and tell those stories or even know what's happening on the ground and i'm so i'm hoping that we can connect to people who will be able to tell us oh hey this is what's happening and i we'd love for people to know about it and learn about it um yeah speaking of namibia i just found out today that they're um the 10th 13 to rank country with gender equality or something like that. Mm. That's really cool. Um, That's really cool. Country before then. <laughs> um, you mentioned something that kind of struck a chord with me, um, the lack of optimism for change in African countries. And you're right. I mean, in my very little experience, I've gotten the chance to visit and live in a few African countries. And that's like a prevailing theme. It's like, oh, things are bad, this won't change, uh, you know, this person is coming to take from us, but oh well, what can we do? Um, and it's such a widespread phenomenon in Nigeria, speaking as a Nigerian, and I bet if I've heard it as a visitor in other countries, it might be widespread there too. How do you, how do you imagine you need to combat that problem? Because if people are energized, then, you know, they will, they will be willing to do anything but that lack of optimism. And, you know, this is not for through the eyes of African women to handle alone, but what are some of the ideas that you have um, about that? I think, yeah, it's a really, really tough um, issue to think about. And um, I was actually just writing yesterday um, as I was thinking about, okay, who is, because, okay, so let me, let me preface this by saying, right now I'm working at the Global Fund for Women 
and I'm working as like an advocacy fellow there. And I had a meeting yesterday where she was talking, um, the director of learning and evaluation was talking to me about how they see their influence and their reach. And one of the things that I learned yesterday was about like direct influence and indirect influence. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started to think about in terms of like, through the eyes of African women and our reach and all that, who do we have access to and who are we trying to speak to? Mm -hmm. Um, And from that point, I just kind of thought like, you know what, what I want to focus on is the people who are already passionate, but don't necessarily have the tools that they need to execute or have, you know, a small fire in them that they're just waiting to be like kindled and set alight, like set into a blaze. Um, And I want us to be able to do that for them. So I think sometimes starting with the most kind of jaded people, negative people, isn't always the best. You have to start with the people who are, who are, you know, gendered up, they're, they're, they're waiting, you know what I mean? Um, and let them be the ones to then be catalysts for change and to sh- and use them as examples. And yeah, for ourselves to be examples of what is possible when you don't have this kind of like negative attitude. And then the other thing is just like, Nigerians, especially, we complain a lot. And for good reason, there are a lot of things wrong with the country. However, if you're just complaining all the time and you're not doing anything, what's the point, you know? So when people say like, oh, okay, well, this isn't going to happen and that's not going to happen. Like, wh- like, are you expecting me to just sit around and like continue to complain for the, for the rest of my life? That's not productive. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, really it's just kind of like one, showing that you yourself are an example of what is possible. And then two, connecting to the people who, you know, are like-minded or, have the potential and the desire to create change. Right. Very important. Very key thing. Um, I'm really enjoying this conversation, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, me too. <laughs> I'm learning a lot. Um, so we've talked a little bit more about some of the projects you're ongoing, um, some of your visions. And I think tying that all back together, um, what do you think success on a long scale if, when you're able to gain that momentum in other African countries when you're able to, you know, fully grow and develop as a nonprofit, what do you think success on a large scale will look like for through the eyes of African women? Uh, that's a very good question. And I, the, the more I learn and the more I'm exposed to things, the more that answer kind of like develops or changes. Um, I'm turning 20 on Monday. So <laughs> I'm also trying to think about like, you know, in terms of my future, um what do I want to accomplish um (laughs) so I'm just thinking like for through the eyes of African women specifically I would really love us to kind of revolutionize the ways that um young Africans in general not just women learn about the world and engage with uh, social and political issues I would like us to be like a, a strong champion for um for grassroots-led youth-led movements on the continent, um, and I would yeah, and I would like to revolutionize in terms of like education and just ma- be a major advocacy platform. That's what I see for through the eyes of African women. I can see us getting involved in like film um, as well from like actual school books. Um, I, I I think there's a lot that can happen. Um, and then for me personally. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> I haven't figured that out. Yeah. 
I, I think you have. I mean, figuring out for TAW, figuring out for yourself. Um, and yeah. Kind of back in, when you graduate, how do you, uh, what do you plan on, do you plan on continuing with TAW primarily only? Or what, does, what do you think that looks like? And I know it's a change. It's a definitely change. Between this year and next year, it's probably change a lot. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's, we're young adults. We're constantly changing, constantly growing. But, but for right now, um, what does that look like for you? Um, okay. One thing I know for sure, I'm going to go back and do my NYSE. Um, so that's, that'll take a year. I'll be back in Nigeria for a year. I really, really, really want to travel. Uh, like I want to, one of my goals is to visit every country on the continent, which is, yeah, (laughs) it's hard, but I really want to do it. So I want to start that at some point. I'll definitely be working on through the eyes of African women, but I'll probably be working on other things as well. Like right now, I really love the work that I'm doing with um, the global fund for women. And I would love to work with like some, like an organization like the African Women Development Fund or um, even Frida, which is the Young Feminist Fund. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know, though. I'll probably like I'll probably be traveling and working for about four or five years before I go to grad school or law school if I end up going to law school. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> And that is a perfectly okay answer. I, I think you've got a lot of things figured out and, you know, already. It you. feels like I have, like, almost nothing figured out. <laughs> oh, no. Trust me. You are you're much better standing than I was in my sophomore, junior year. You, you know, so. <laughs> I, you sound really impressive. Thank you. There's, like, a smile on my face and I don't even know you that well. <laughs> um, I'm enjoying this. Um, and I have just one last question for you. Um, and so at Pod Save Africa, part of the reason why we started um, this podcast is to give a voice for people who are not just talking about things, but are actually um, making change um, happen and putting the power behind them, um, which is why we were very interested in interviewing with you. Um, so we'd just like to open up this question. How can our listeners, um, anyone who hears this interview, support your nonprofit? I think you can support through the eyes of African women by, well, the first thing I'm going to say is by (laughs) being kind and being understanding to the women in your life Mm -hmm. um, and by educating yourself, not just on um, issues that are considered women's issues or not, they're human, they're human issues. Um, But then also about like Africa in general, I think taking the time to really learn about our histories and learn about, you know, the global system that we exist in right now and how um, to start to figure out how we can like make things better. And then the other thing is like in terms of our platform specifically, um, if you know anyone, if you know any young African women that are great writers or just are, you know, passionate about social issues, encouraging them to like visit our website and maybe even become a contributor Um, we're always looking for new voices we're always looking for new um, movements to shed a light on and support Um, and yeah look out for our visual stories that are coming out soon and the publications and you know go download the ones that already exist (laughs) very cool and for our listeners out there that are listening we will be posting through the eyes of african women's website on all of our platforms so if you're looking to support them or to just check out what they're doing and look out for their publications, you can go through our social media and you will find it, I promise. Um, and probably with the link to this episode as well.